Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Hi, and welcome to From Beer to the Bible. I'm your host, Sarah McDonald. We have a very special guest today. We have Pastor Doug Hawk from Gateway Church. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm We're, doing great. Before we get started, please like, share, and subscribe at FromBeerToTheBible.com. Today, um, our title is Core Wounds and Addictions. Before we get started, we're going to come to you in our scriptural anchor. Uh, it's Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Pastor Doug, yes. how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. So I'm super excited to have you on the show today. We Thank were talking you. before the show um, about some of your core wounds and how um, they affected you and how it has yeah. brought you into this ministry that you're doing today. Mm -hmm. um, Pastor Doug does care ministry over at Gateway Church. Can you tell us a little bit about care ministry? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, care ministry at Gateway, uh, you know, I guess you could just say we care a lot. Uh, but but it, it ultimately we, you know, it's, it's sort of all the above. We have biblical counseling, uh, you know, um, people that are in need of uh, financial assistance and, and just different levels of ministry that we bring in, um, obviously funerals and, and all those areas as well. Um, but, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, the specific area that I'm, uh, that I work within is biblical counseling. Um, and then whittling it down even more. Uh, I work with, uh, uh, couples going through infidelity recovery and then, uh, and then, um, you know, sit with men a lot of times individually when they're, uh, uh on the betrayer side of that and working through, uh, whether it's a porn addiction or whether it is a, uh, physical affair of some sort or emotional affair. Um, so, uh, when I, so to clarify, when I talk, say infidelity, I do mean a, a sexual infidelity, you know, so, that's kind of, I hope that gives some clarity. to. Yeah, to absolutely. Um, we've had a couple shows on um, sexual sin and that being an addiction. And the show is all about mm. all different kinds of addictions. And we want to educate you guys um, on those addictions and how to help yourself or a loved one when suffering with that sin. And so can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Um, you do have a personal yeah. story with sexual sin. Yes, and so let's just dig right in. How did, how did <laughs> it all start? Um, our title is Core Wounds. And yeah. Um, a lot of times on the show, we do talk about the core wounds that happened in childhood that affect us later on in life. Yeah. And we really want to educate the public that, you know, secrets keep you sick. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of secrets. You know, we don't like to talk about things. Um, and the more we make things okay, the more it's going to be okay. And all of us suffer mm -hmm. um, with a lot of things that burden us. And, yeah. and we want freedom from that. We want freedom from bondage. God wants to bring right. us through all those. And so the more that we talk about it, um, it becomes a little more palatable. Yeah. Well, I, you know, on one hand, I, I, 
I don't want to derail, but I want to almost say, you know, I think I came up at a point, I told you a little bit about my childhood, and I'll, I'll get into some of that with having a, a dad that was um, rough in the early years, and, and then, uh, you know, eventually making our way into a church environment. And so I, 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 I'm going to start there for a second, and, and, and hopefully I'm not derailing us. But um, so coming into the church world, into the church environment, um, uh, a lot of things was take it to the altar, you know, and, and what I feel like I learned unintentionally was I should be able to pray this away. Yeah. And so, um, I, yes, there was this sexual struggle that was happening that, that where, where, uh, I would say, uh, my, um, where I started to really go to toward pornography and those struggles, masturbation was at about 11 years old and I uh, was introduced and then it took hold around 11, 12 years old. And, uh, but for years it was like, pray it away, pray it away. I kept, uh, uh pleading with the Lord, you know, that, that this would just go away sure. somehow. And so, um, um, but it never would. And I didn't understand that. And the reason is to your point is I didn't understand the why behind it. I had no idea what was triggering yeah. this. I thought I, I just have a lust problem. Yes. I mean, it's a lust problem. Let's get rid of the lust problem. Uh, and so uh, it wasn't until life came crashing down. And I, I hate that. I hate that uh, my pain point had to get to such a, an extent where I was about to lose my family, lose my wife to really actually begin to deal with yeah. what were those core things. But when, when, when we were at this place where now my wife has discovered some of my secrets, um, I, I have started to come into that place of confessing them and, and getting honest with her about what, what, what's actually been happening in secret, yeah. you know, um, at that place, um, you know, I started to actually ask the question, why? And, um, and that's where I started to, you know, and, and that coupled with counseling, coupled with uh, ministry, coupled with uh, healthy pastors that understood that journey themselves, um, um, you know, I started to understand more of where this was rooted even back into my childhood, that at the end of the day, lust was uh, the illegitimate source I was using to 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 meet comforts that are legitimately that I'm legitimately designed for sure. but I was using these illegitimate sources for them and so you know so yeah so uh taking it backwards now I uh you know started to discover that I had extreme insecurities and I never I actually didn't know that yeah uh, I, I thought I was confident because I had this facade of confidence that I carried around with me. And um, I, I didn't know that I was actually pretty sensitive. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't know how to say my feelings are hurt and things like that. And, um, and so usually I would lash out in anger. But really, uh, when I finally actually started using a feelings chart, and if you've never used a feelings <laughs> chart... They're great, men. They're great. They're feeling. They're 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 great to use. And I started to actually develop a vocabulary of feelings. Yeah. I'm looking at anger, and I realize nothing I'm feeling is actually under anger. It's actually way over here under hurt. Wow. For the feelings chart I was looking at, some of them are circles, and but um, it was under hurt. And um, so then I started to dig into that. Well, what am I hurt about? I I would have often on different people say, I think that you have forgiveness issues towards your dad, and I was like. I, nah, I'm fine. And did and I, you forget some of the past with your dad? Because oh yeah. yeah, I I um, you know, I think uh, one time I was talking to somebody that had you know just deep spiritual insight, 
And they heard me say, and I wasn't even talking about any of this. I, they heard me say, I was looking at something on a cut on my finger and I said, it hurts, but I'm fine. And this thing dropped in their spirit. And they said, I wonder how, how, how long in your life you've been saying that oh. it hurts, but I'm fine. And of course I'm sitting there holding my finger and Tears. it hit this, this, you know, pain point that I wasn't expecting. And I was like, uh, probably a lot. Yeah. Probably a lot. And, um, and so once again, going back into child, there was, there was a definitely, um, value issues. I didn't, I didn't understand my value. I didn't understand my worth. Um, didn't believe I had any. Um, and, um, and so, uh, going way back now and actually saying, well, what was your childhood like? Um, my, I, I was raised in a home. My dad was, um, uh, I'm, I want to use the right words because a lot of words I've used to describe it over the years that I think might offend some people. And so, um, I felt trashy. Okay. I'll just put it that way. I felt like I was, you know, we were raised in a very rough environment, a lot of rundown places initially in my younger years. And my dad, uh, was, um, a biker and a biker gang, uh, early on the biker gang he was in was called sons of Satan. And he was a violent man. Um, um, and, uh, you know, he used violence to solve his own, uh, you know, struggles and woundedness that he never understood. Yeah. And, um, and so growing in, being in that environment early on, and I don't actually have, uh, Sarah, like you were saying, I don't, I actually don't have a lot of the memories of what took place. I've learned these stories, uh, in recent years as my parents have opened up to me more about what took place in childhood. Um, uh, but he would leave us and basically abandon us multiple, multiple times. And he'd go bounce at gentlemen's clubs and things like that. Um, and, and all along, then he'd come back into the house all along. Of course, my mom is, uh, you know, waiting tables. She waited tables my whole life, uh, trying to make it, um, we'd go move into like condemned, uh, housing and things like that, uh, because we're living on a waitress's, uh, wages. And, um, and that was sort of the way we survived for a long time until there, there, uh, uh was this point where, where things changed for my dad and there was a change in his life, but focusing on what occurred, I had no idea yeah. the pain that I was, I didn't, I, I had no idea. Matter of fact, I would have told you, I, well, my dad eventually got saved. And so I, I mean, I'm not hurt. Yeah. And, and it just makes it just goes yeah. to show that you know abandonment, uh, childhood wounds. Even now, they're discovering that wounds happen um, in the womb. In the womb, you know, and just to, I mean, we have to be so careful in a world that we have to be so careful yeah. in. Like we don't even think about some of those things, you know. But we do the best that we can yeah. with what we have, right? Yeah, you know. And I, my wife is actually a labor and delivery nurse, and she would she would kill me if I said, this is a fact, I'm not going to say this is a fact, but she oftentimes can tell the difference between a baby that comes out of the womb that was nurtured while in the womb wow. and a baby that comes out of the womb who wasn't wanted and was, was ignored. And, um, and so there, she can tell a difference many times. I She's been doing that. that for 20 years. And uh, by the way, my wife is amazing. Her name's Amy. We've been married for 20 years. Um, Thank you, Amy, three, for doing what you do. Three beautiful kids. Um, but, you know, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's so much that I think we ignore and try to push past and pretend we're okay. Yeah. And, um, and, and it, 
you know, it kind of begs this question, well, why then? I mean, God knew, God knew I was wounded and I sure. went to the altar a billion times. Why didn't he just snap his finger and take care of it? And, and, I, and for me, I don't want to take us another direction, but for me, um, I believe God in his love for me wanted me to under, not only did he want me to understand what was, what had, what was wounding me and, and effectively in, in, in situations that would pop up in my life, I was an eight year old boy again, who was abandoned. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't 20 year old Doug. I wasn't 30 year old Doug. I was eight year old Doug. And I didn't think I cared. And one day God gave me this memory of, uh, it was a standstill, it was a still shot. It wasn't even a moving memory of me standing at this screen window looking out. And I knew what I was doing. Uh, I was think I was younger than eight in the memory, um, uh, maybe five or six. And I, I knew that I was watching my dad leave again. And um, and it's interesting that they, that you know, and Sarah, you may have something to bring into this, but uh, they, a lot of times they'll say that abandonment and even neglect are some of the worst forms of, I mean, I saw my dad and have some memories and, and uh, have been told more of violence toward my mother and, and uh, major outbursts of rage. And I would have thought those are the worst. Yeah. Those are the things that hurt me the worst. But in so many ways, when I really look back at it, it was just no ministry of presence. He just wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, and, and in many ways, uh, neither was my mom. You know, they were too busy trying to pick up the pieces and figure themselves out. Even after getting saved, uh, you know, life was a lot about just trying to figure themselves out and yep. fix, you know, fix themselves. And so anyway, I don't, hopefully I didn't derail us. No, too no, 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 so, not sorry. at all. Um, I just want to know like a couple things. How do you define God love and the freedoms it's brought into your own life? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think, first of all, let me yeah. back up. I really thank you for your story. I think it's yeah. so important for our listeners to hear um, pastors that have gone through something because so many times we look up to them on this pulpit and, and they can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. And we have learned, and there are so many statistics on that, that, that pastors are suffering just as much as any, any one of us. And so I really commend Gateway and what you guys are doing to bring any kind of sin that you guys go through to the forefront yeah. and, and use it as a ministry yeah. um, to help bring people to Christ because that's ultimately why he puts these things in our life. Yeah. I, like yourself, prayed my addiction away for so long. Um, I believed in Christ my whole entire life. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that helped me when I was yeah. getting sober, but for a long time, I didn't know what it was like to, to fully let him um, into my life. I wanted, you know, to control things a little bit my way. Um, yeah. And then I wanted him to fix things. And yeah. like yourself, I would pray that he would take my alcoholism away. And mm. he doesn't just take things away like that. We have to go through what we yeah. have to go through for us to eventually fall to our knees before him Absolutely. and humbly submit ourselves to him. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, I understand Paul and the thorn so much more today and we mm -hmm. all have our thorn. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot and it doesn't matter what you're going through. That thorn is there to remind you 
who saved you? Absolutely. Who gave you grace? Absolutely. And who redeemed that whole entire mess of a life? And I just want everybody to be redeemed. And I think yeah. all of us do. So thank you for sharing no, that. No. And You're hitting so many things. Like, <laughs> go, go. Yeah. Well, first, what is God's love to me? I don't, I don't know that I could whittle it down, but I want to say it this. He, he is all in all. He's everything. And, and so what is his love? His love was safety when I never knew safety. His love was, um, you know, his constant presence and not abandoning when, when I didn't understand uh, what it was to be loved no matter what. Um, you know, and his love, uh, uh, of course, um, um, I could not be where I'm at outside of God's love and, and his choosing me even in the mess. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the reason I love to do what I do, and I, I think y'all are probably the same here, is that I, I, because of that, it's, it's taught me how to be in the dirt, yeah. how to just be in the dirt with people uh, and, 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 not, and not be afraid of a limp. You know, and, and matter of fact, I am more cautious about people that won't show their limp than I am pastors or people that aren't afraid to show their limp. I agree. And, um, and so, um, so, you know, thinking about even what you're saying and I'm like, why, how is it that God loved me by allowing me to go through this? And I've sat with so many people who really thought the route and they've argued with me, like, you know, uh, despite their cycle and their pattern that keeps continuing, they, they're like, well, you know, I just really believe that, that, you know, God's going to take it away. And I do believe that there are times that God will give us a, a, like a, a you know, a, a momentary break from a, a craving, mm -hmm. <laughs> but the word of God commands us to, to take part in the renewing of our mind. Like, yes. so so even if somebody, maybe they went to the altar and God took away that nicotine craving for a moment, what God wants free, true freedom isn't just that they're not smoking anymore or that they're not going to cocaine anymore, that they're not masturbating anymore. When I sit with men and I'm like, do you think that my goal for you is that you stop looking at porn and stop masturbating? If that's the win, um, then I'm we're talking behavioral management. The win is if that you begin to understand the roots to the why behind the, why do I, what am I using this for? Yeah. Because if I just find something prettier and I start getting a Twinkie from the cabinet instead, and I say I'm healed, but I, but now I've got, now I'm going to the Twinkie yeah. uh, or I'm, you know, uh, uh, become a workaholic and it just looks prettier. Am I free? No. You know, no. And so what my heart is, and what, here's where I believe God loved me well, is he was like, Doug, Sure, I'm I'm all powerful. If if you know, yeah, I could snap my finger and and take this away. Uh, one, he doesn't force his will on us. Yep. Um, but also, I think he loves me enough. And I think a lot of people struggle to understand this. I think he loves me enough to show me that that he can love me in my pain. In other words, I can actually see it. I can see where I've been wounded. I, other people can see their woundedness yeah. and no longer run from it. Mm -hmm. Experience the pain even, 
while allowing God to love them in the pain yeah. and, 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 and then, and then moving into, uh, uh, he, you know, healing. And, uh, I think one of the biggest things that I was frustrated about when, when I started to experience healing in my own life was I thought this is okay, sweet. Now I'm starting to understand the why I get that. Okay. There was those, those places of insecurity. Oh, I see where that was rooted in my childhood. Okay, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm starting to understand truth. Okay, I'm bringing that truth and I'm partnering it and I'm, and, and I'm letting the Lord uh, redefine uh, the message that the enemy planted on my heart and that these, these situations and circumstances planted on my heart. Sweet. That means that now that I've done that, I'll never again experience uh, insecurity. Yeah. I really thought that's what freedom was going to be. And what the Lord showed me was, no, uh, n- now you see it coming. It's, it's more of, um, now, now is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. It's, it's, what do you do in that moment when insecurity still hits yep. and, and I have, I'm at that crossroad of comfort or, or choosing, you know, what the Lord, you know, or where I find my comfort, I guess you could say. Yeah. And, um, and am I, am I going to try to, you know, run to the tree of good and evil <laughs> or run to the tree of life in a sense. And, um, cause there's a lot of good things I can do to also try to, you know, uh, you mentioned pastors and ministry. Um, I believe that part of that, my initial start in ministry was actually with music. And it, the affirmation I received on stage was part of my addiction. It, porn, pornography and masturbation were there. Uh, worship and, and getting affirmation on the stage were part of it. I had a whole... Uh, a, a cereal aisle of options. If you think about the Walmart cereal aisle, it's got a thousand options mm-hmm. and God got to be one of my big boxes. Uh, even my spouse got to be one of my big boxes, one of my sources, you'd say, but they weren't my only. And, um, and so I had many sources I'd get run to. And so uh, part of that journey that the Lord allowed me to go on was being able to sit in disappointment yeah. and choose him anyway. Yeah. Being able to sit in, in, you know, my, my beautiful wife, Amy, married for 20 years now, and, and being able to sit when, when she doesn't make me feel loved. And yet I choose Amy anyway. I love her anyway. No matter, does that make sense? Yeah, because those are the things that make you go back out, right? Mm-hmm. Whether we're talking about addiction from yeah. alcohol, um, recovery from alcohol, um, sexual sin, whatever it is. Those are the character defects that ultimately get us to go and find comfort in other areas of our life is what you were saying. Um, There's so much I want to unpack in which you're you're like, I don't even know what I said. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But recovery is an ongoing process. And so to our listeners, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they have a a loved one or themselves that constantly relapse. And let's talk about relapse from whatever it is that is your ism, right? Relapse is a part of the process, right? Some people say that you go and you go into treatment and you're, you're, you you think that you're just saved, you're helped, you're like, that's it. That's not it because Mm -hmm. God wants us to constantly seek him. It's the spiritual wellness. It's the emotional wellness. It's not just, hi, I went through the steps. I did my recovery process. That's it. Or, Hey, I went through this Bible 12 week study and I'm saved. Yeah. Yeah. You feel good after those things, but ongoing recovery requires a lot of maintenance Mm -hmm. and God wants us to have that maintenance with him 
on a daily. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, what your experience is with, with what you do on the daily. We talk oh. a lot about our daily rhythm of living and what you do every day to keep oh. you grounded, to keep you sober, to keep yeah. you um, just looking towards Christ. Yeah. Well, I think that a major part of that is um, safe community. And and I, I want to define that because um, I just talked with a guy who was talking about his band of brothers and the accountability they bring. But when we really whittled it down, their accountability was more like making him feel good about him but not calling him out yep. and really loving him well. And we don't understand a lot of times loving him well is that ability to say, um, that was a lie. And, you know, uh, speaking about his relationship and his marriage and that was a lie. And, um, and I'm, we're not okay with that. And we wouldn't be loving you well if we pretended we were. And you need to also go to your spouse and and let her know that that you were lying. And you know, and really call what is accountability? What is what does that really mean? So I think that having a healthy community, so I have a, a healthy group of people that that I know if they see something in me yep. and um, um, not just, you know, I, I don't know, Sarah, what terminology you all use, but I like to say that my that relapse for me starts with behaviors, you yes, know, and absolutely. so, so those are my red flags. Cause if I decide that my ground zero, uh, my warning sign of relapse is when I actually go to whatever the thing is, that's too late. It's too late. Yep. So relapse has to start with beginning to understand that awareness of what are my behaviors that even lead up to this, which means I also need people around me to understand when they begin to see signs of that. My wife is aware of, uh, for instance, um, she she's a nurturer. She's a nurse. She's a nurturer. Um, she, you know, when we faced crisis 10 years ago, it's actually like almost 10 years to the date, uh, 10 years ago, she had to learn, it was almost this weird breakup. She had to learn to no longer tr be, be my source um, because Amy was one of my sources. Make me feel good about me. Yep. And um, Amy had to learn to be able to say, "I, you, you need to, you need to go to the Lord with that. You need to get some counseling surrounding that. I can't Do that pat you on you. the back and get you back into a pretend normal." Yeah. Um, you know. And so it's so. What do I do currently? It's it's that community. It's knowing that I've got people around me that I, you know. Um, I have, this is just my world. Okay. So uh, I have a, a, an oversight who knows this process very well. And because of that, my oversight asks hard questions. And, um, and you know, also is another layer of that. Um, my relationship with the Lord. I mean, I'm, I keep, I, I feel like our soul is like a pendulum, you know, and, and you look through at the Psalms, it's a really interesting thing. Just grab your Bible app and look up the word soul and then click open all the scriptures that bring up soul. And you see the wrestle happening with soul. And you see this moment where, for instance, David's saying, soul, why are you so downcast? So soul's upset. Then you see a moment where David's saying, soul, you will put your hope in the Lord. Or, or And then you see a moment where the soul's in agreement. My soul wow. has said of the Lord that, you know, and I'm, I'm, probably botching the scriptures, but, but, you know, you see the soul come into alignment with what he's choosing. And so I think a part of my daily process is no matter what feeling I'm feeling, no matter what, you know, and feelings matter, but they're not facts, right? So I'm, a, I take an awareness. What, what am I feeling right now and why? I take an inventory, I guess you'd say. Yes. 
Why am I feeling this way? What's going on? What happened earlier? Or was it yesterday? What was, what's going on there? Okay, this is rejection. I'm feeling rejection. Okay, so now that I know that and I'm aware of that, you know, what's soul, you're, you're feeling rejected. And so before I do anything else with this, soul, I'm pointing you right back to the Lord. Soul, God is good and he's never rejected you, no matter what you feel right now. Yeah. Soul, you know, you have a great family. They love you. Soul, you're a good father. You're a good husband. And, and um, so that's one of the, the ways that I, that I, you know, tell my soul where to go. I love that. Uh, and, um, and, and I, soul I, is also that little boy. You know, that little yes. boy that was abandoned. It's facing that little boy and, Absolutely. and retraining him what's true and what's, what's true. right. I, I love that you said that because it's like, it was so frustrating to be, I'm 42 now, to be when this journey started in my 30s, to be a 30 whatever year old, but feel like an eight year old. Yep. Uh, you know, I feel like a child and um, and facing those, that child and, you know, and, um, uh, you know, uh, but everybody has to do it because everybody's mm -hmm. core wounds started Absolutely. a long time ago. And I Absolutely. think that's where we forget, like we got out of that situation. Some of us, some of us didn't even know we were in a mm -hmm. situation, but it's going back to where we were initially hurt and facing uh, that, mm -hmm. that, that I call it the inner child because I've done a lot of, of trauma uh, work. I agree. And yeah. so that inner child, um, and I love, I'm now I'm going to go and research soul because it's that great. makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Um, you go, see, it's biblical. You yeah. see it, you see it. And I, I would say that it, it, you know, that spiritual warfare became, but I had to understand spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare became huge. But for me, I was like, well, what is spiritual warfare? I was raised in an environment that taught me spiritual warfare is screaming at the devil. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that's always wrong. I don't want to get it, ruffle any feathers here. Or maybe I do. But, um, but I would say that spiritual warfare has so much to do with the awareness journey. Because, we, and let me def define it here for a second. Spiritual warfare, um, there, let's just talk about warfare in general. Let's, so jungle warfare. I could take an AK-47, I don't know, I'm probably saying the guns wrong, but, and go to a jungle. There's enemies in the jungle of my heart, and I'm spraying that thing with scripture, and I'm spraying it with the name of Jesus, and I'm just hoping I hit an enemy. Yeah. And I probably will sometimes. Or I could I could go into, you know, the counseling and and conversations like this and conversations with safe people and begin to do a journey of understanding and unpacking what's going on in me. And now I become more like sniper warfare. Now I'm not just spraying, hoping I hit an enemy. I know where the enemy's attacking me. I know why he attacks me there because of those core wounds yeah. and core beliefs that I, that I believed about myself. And I know I I'm, I'm able to see it coming and, and I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want this to sound um, gruesome or whatever, but I'm able to snipe the enemy right there and bring truth into that. Yeah. And, um, and uh, that makes complete sense yeah. to me. I think that's, you uh, described it in a very male perspective, I know. I, but, I, 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 was, hate, but <laughs> I was following you and I'm sure a lot of the guys out there understand what you're yeah. talking about, but I love it. You know, that, that explained it very well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually usually not a fan of explaining things in overly like sports and, you know, but, <laughs> but that is one way that I began to understand what is warfare. And, and, and so I believe it's part of our calling is as Christians 
to go to those places because how can I ever sit beside a man? And I've had men sit with me before I ever went to those places and say, um, when, when I was just beginning the journey yeah, uh, and, and sit with me and say, Hey, tell me what you did. And I was trying to think of the fairy dust. I was like, well, uh, what, 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 what's the magic thing God did? What, what, what am I doing? I, I don't, and I couldn't give him an answer. And I think that was the safest thing to go with. I was like, oh, to be honest, I'm on a journey. That's all I can tell you. I don't, I don't, I can't give you an answer, but now I can give better answers and better definition. And I can say, I went on a journey with the Lord. I went on a journey with people and, and I dug into those wounded places and I begin to define what, where does the enemy attack me and what lie am I believing? And, um, and, you know, and, and the, I've, I've met, I mean, it amazes me how many, how many people I meet that will do whatever it takes to avoid going there. Yeah. They, they don't want to, and they'll, they'll shut, shut me down when it comes to believing that they would have to go there in order to, to receive healing. And, um, and that's unfortunate because it's not that it's not that God doesn't have healing for them, but that he's playing some kind of game. It's that God has the ultimate kind of love and healing for them. And which means that God wants me to, he wants to love me and actually help redefine um, my belief about him yeah. in those places. Because I think that if I withhold those painful places and say, God, we can go anywhere but there, I'm, I'm doing two things. I'm never allowing myself to be loved in those places. I'm, I'm refusing to believe that God is who he says he is, even in those places. And not to make this just about that, but, yeah. you know. Well, with, um, with that, what advice would you give to people um, walking in that journey? Yeah. And, and what, do you, what advice would you give about God's love and, and what he wants them to do? And, you yeah. know, how he wants them to bear it at the cross? Yeah, I think that... Uh, for the ones who maybe have no relationship with the Lord and aren't, aren't, you know, haven't even begun a journey and, uh, you know, never had a salvation experience, I would obviously just, as a pastor, I would say, man, come, come to the Lord, you know, don't, don't try to line your ducks up in a row and, and get lot, you know, stop this or stop that before you make that journey. So I, I, come to the Lord, you know, he's after you, he loves you. Um, for those that are already, have already, you know, have already prayed those prayers and, had those salvation moments and are, but are, but are, you know, I, one thing I think people need to understand is that moment of salvation is the, begins the process of becoming. It's not the moment everything just drops off and we become perfect. It's like when I, when I marry couples, I'm like, today's the day when y'all step into uh, this journey is this is when the journey begins. Yeah. Hallmark makes it look like it's when it stops, but actually it's when it begins. Here's where you actually get tested on love. Here's where you actually get the, today. The journey begins yeah. of becoming one. And it's a constant reminder. Mm -hmm. Those vows. Um, I've been married 13 years and today I have to remember those vows even more than yes. the day that I, I said I do because you know, through sickness and in health means through addiction and recovery, through right. whatever that thorn is, like we talked about earlier. And I think so many couples forget that you're going to, nobody tells you you're going to go through all these big problems. Right. You know, right. it is like the Hallmark movie. We keep that, that fairy tale in mind. And then when things get tough, we, we pull away or we we're done. I fell out of love and I'm like, well, that was a different kind of love we were operating in. Um, because 
agape love before it's a feeling, it was a choosing. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, when I was making choices, I'm, I'm, I'm taking us another direction. When I was making choices in my, in my addictions or in my uh, sexual struggle, my sexual infidelities, um, and, and then I started to heal, I was like, but Lord, I'm struggling toward my, and this sounds so insulting. Uh, I want to tell you all, my wife, my wife is precious and amazing, but she was no schmuck. So she, she, she held boundaries and we went through a process of healing. She yeah. didn't just forgive and forget. Exactly. So Amy and I, you know, when we began that journey, you know, I, I, I remember sitting there and going, Lord, not only do I not know how to love my wife, I'm going to say it a little more brash. Okay. Uh, if that's the right term, but I, not only do I not love her, but the truth is, is that I also was coming to this realization. I'd never known how to love anyone. Yes. And so love, love was a, was for the first time I was like, what is love? And, um, so I don't know how to love Amy and, um, and revelation started to hit me. It's kind of like what I, what I was talking about when it comes to our soul, um, was God was like, yeah, because you've been directing. It's like the children of Israel. And, you know, some of you may not know the story, but when, when, when Moses went up on the mountain to get the, to get the, uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments, and they immediately made a God. And if you read the passage, they tried to attribute the God that brought them out of Egypt to the God they fashioned out of, out of gold. They said, this is the God that's brought us out of, out of, uh, out of Egypt. And what, what I was essentially doing was um, always fashioning for myself um, what made me feel good about me. Yeah. And whenever I started to discover what love really is, is I was having to direct my love and my choosing toward Amy, um, you know, for sickness, uh, in sickness and in health, you know, for better, for worse. And I was having to actually say, I choose you no matter how you make me feel. I choose you. Yeah. And I choose you, even though right now I don't know even how to love you. Yeah. I choose, I'm choosing you. And what's funny is, is in that journey of choosing and directing my affections, you know, toward Amy and toward the Lord, it's like God put it, it's like that Grinch, you know, God put this defibrillator on my heart. And, and it's, it wasn't like, oh, all at once. It was like, he got a blip. Yeah. We got a blip. You know, Doug's learning how to love. And, and. But isn't it amazing how you you look back and you look at Amy and you're like, either I chose right or God chose for me because I didn't know what I was doing back then, but she is the right woman for me mm -hmm. because of all this. And then you yes. love her more. Amy, we taught a class last night together, but uh, so I, I say that because uh, sometimes it's easy for me to come and say all kinds of things, and, but proof's in the pudding. Like whenever I see a pastor teaching and he's talking about his wife and they're saying how good the marriage is, I'm usually looking over at the spouse, sitting <laughs> off to the side. Is there agreement there? You know, and one of the things I can say is that Amy and I would say, um, while, while, while initially we would have never wished to have gone through what we've gone through, we would never undo what we've gone through it, the intimacy we have and i believe that's the redemption of the lord yes uh, the intimacy we have is an intimacy that we would never have had had we not gone through what we've gone through and um and that's me taking full ownership of everything that i chose as well yeah. and saying it was unfair yeah it was totally unfair um, um but in that unfairness you know 
Amy choosing to come alongside me, hold her boundaries while also um, choosing to explore, can we heal? Yeah. Uh, created an intimacy that, that um, some of the strongest married couples that I see at Gateway and at most places, but at Gateway, I'll just talk about Gateway. Nobody would ever know they've been through some serious crisis. I agree with that 100%. I've mm -hmm. seen that in my own church. I've seen that in my own walk with the Lord. Um, and I'm sorry we have to cut this short, no. but it's the end of our show. But it, we, this is a great ending. Yeah. If you want intimacy, like Pastor Doug is talking about, how can they reach you? Well, so it starts by going to Gateway's website, gatewaypeople.com. Um, and, uh, you know, you... You, if you want to get into some form of care ministry, if you're if you're going, wow, we're we're going through infidelity, uh, uh, or or an infidelity occurred ten years ago and we shoved it under the rug and we've never really healed. And what I hate about moments like that is that puts the burden many times on the betrayed spouse to just get better. Yeah. And so if 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 you're if you're someone or know somebody that's dealt with that or, or let's say never dealt with that, never gone through a healing process. Reach out to the care uh, ministry. Um, that would be going to the website. Actually, let me start over. You can, the easiest way is text CARE to 71010. If you text CARE to 71010, it'll prompt a form that'll pop up on your phone and you can fill that form out. Um, if you're local to the area, uh, then um, uh, you know, then you're, you're able to uh, come into whatever campus is nearest you, just figure out which campus is closest. Uh, if, if it's infidelity specifically, I would definitely choose the South Lake campus because that is where that ministry is located. Um, and so uh, even if you don't attend, even if you're not a member, um, you know, uh, if you're non-local, if it's okay, if I say this, there's, there's great resources, um, but not as many as you would think. Um, so when it comes to healing from infidelity, so I do, I would plug the Affair Recovery Center. So it's uh, affairrecovery.com and, and they have good online resources uh, that, that you can utilize as well. Um, you know, Gateway uh, utilizes uh, the Conquer Ministry, um, which I would say is, is a, it's just like a 10 week journey of, of I, I would say helping men uh, um, begin the journey of sobriety. I'm a, uh, if they would, if they're able to step into more of a, of a pure desire process, I'm trying to remember seven pillars is what it's called, which are a lot of local places that run that. That's something you can do as well. So if, but if, but if infidelity, if you're, if you're still struggling with pornography and you're needing to stabilize that before even stepping into a, an infidelity recovery ministry, I would say, you know, start, go on a search, find a church locally, a, a, a 12 step recovery process, a celebrate recovery process, do something um, and put action to it. Yep. Uh, but one of those would be, you could reach out to Gateway, you could step into Conquer, but that'll just be skimming the surface. That's just gonna get you started on that, that process of sobriety. Uh, hopefully all that made sense. You're also dealing with a pastor that has ADD, so I jump all over the place. <laughs> and if you forget, you can reach <laughs> so, us at frombeardofthebible.com yeah. and we can um, point you to the right direction. Yeah. Thank you so much, Absolutely. Pastor Doug Hawk from Gateway Church for coming on our show. Yeah. And you were awesome. And we can't Thank wait you. to have you back. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, 
Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.